0: Hey guys, Jake here. So I know you're probably expecting Gateway Part 2, but what had happened was Jeremy up and got COVID. So instead, please enjoy our first For the Fans episode. This episode, we talk about things such as spontaneous human combustion, among others. This episode was actually released in November 2020, November 20th, 2020. Which means that this episode is two years old today, or soon to be. In any case, thank you so much for understanding. It wasn't in our plans to postpone, but unfortunately, life happens for podcasters too. But we'll see you next time, down the next path of the infinite rabbit hole. Thanks.
1: Welcome back to Infinite Rabbit Hole, everybody. Today, we got Wes and Jake and myself, the whole crew's here for the first time together. Hey, good to be back. Glad to finally be on here with Jake. I know. I'm curious how this is going to go. Maybe we'll fight. I
0: don't know. I don't know. Jake doesn't play well with others. (laughs) I'm always up for a fight. (laughs) I'm not saying I win. but I'll fight anybody.
1: (laughs) So today, we're going to be doing the fan appreciation episode. We've been uh, holding this off for quite a while, but that's okay. We got to it, right? Yeah, yeah. finally. (laughs) We don't have a lot of content today because, you know, we're, we're a new podcast. We don't have very many fans or at least very many fans that are speaking out and telling us what they want us to talk about or asking us questions. But we did get some pretty good recommendations to talk about today. And we picked one recommendation from each person that commented. A lot of those recommendations were so good that we're actually going to turn them into full episodes. We're going to keep those a surprise. We'll uh, we'll let them come out whenever we get to those episodes. But before we get into those, we do have a question. Wes, it was given towards our episode on parallel universes and multi- multiple dimensions. Ooh. So I'm going to ask this question to you. Get your opinion on it. Okay. Hit me. This comes from Carlos. Carlos is also a Navy vet. I got to talk to him a little bit on one of the podcast uh, Facebook pages. Really nice guy, also has a podcast himself. Carlos was asking, do you believe that maybe when we die, our consciousness somehow joins or blends into the parallel universes of ourselves?
2: Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know. If there are uh, parallel universes and multiple dimensions with other versions of ourselves in them, Maybe that would help account for uh, sometimes we have these random memories of things that not necessarily that are full on uh, Mandela effect level things, but something with just ourselves. I don't know. That's a good question. I never really thought about it, to be
1: honest. So I was thinking about the answer to this question too. I'm not sure if I necessarily buy into the idea of our consciousness slipping into a, a different reality of ourselves. But there is that whole concept of deja vu, mm-hmm. which is a very strange occurrence. It's a personal thing. Yeah. And it, it could easily be explained as you're just having this false memory of something that happened before. Mm-hmm. But I mean, just like everybody else in the world, I've had cases of deja vu, and I'm like, I predict what is going to happen next. Uh huh. You have a you have a good like five to ten seconds where you're like, hmm. I, I know this, I know what's coming next. And then it happens and you're like, wow, that's weird. So maybe not when we die, but at some point in our lives, maybe our consciousness does jump from universe to universe or from ourself to another self. It is a very interesting question. That would be a very interesting way to go. I've also heard a theory. I can't remember the name of the theory. I think it's something like the never ending theory where You never die from your point of view until your body literally gives up your natural death. So like if you get into a car accident or whatnot, you just keep going. It's basically a branch where you can timeline branch. Yeah, timeline branch where you basically go on into a new universe where your consciousness keeps going and you never got into that car accident. And then there's a universe where you died and everyone mourns you. But in your own personal point of view, you never die until your natural death.
2: Hmm. That one's a little hard to wrap my mind around.
1: (laughs) I agree. I agree. It's definitely a far out there one. I'm not saying I believe in it, but I think it kind of ties into what he might be talking about.
2: But to go back to that first part, for that to be something that could actually happen, that would imply that there's other versions of of ourselves that are ahead of say where i'm at now or maybe i'm ahead of one of my other versions of myself in another parallel universe right right you know i'm say two levels ahead of this other version of myself and then the version of me that is ahead something happens we die or whatever and then those memories go to my other body in in a parallel universe and uh that's how they know because it wouldn't make sense if we're all exactly the same age, but just in a different place in life, you know, but that'd be, that'd be hard to, I don't know. That's for that to actually work. I don't know. Talking about different dimensions and, and timelines and parallel universes and stuff. There's a lot that goes into it and it can get very complicated very quickly.
1: Yeah. I'd like to say that my personal opinion
0: is that I don't believe that that happens. Yeah, I don't know. You guys completely lost me with that whole conversation. I was just (laughs) listening, and I'm just like, all right. (laughs) Being out for several weeks and hearing the, the Mandela Effect episode, trying to wrap my head around the idea of a multiverse, I can't get behind any of that stuff, some like... Our consciousness joins with another consciousness of ourselves in a different dimension and stuff that sounds way too far fetched for me. I can say, however, when it comes to, say, deja vu, this one time back when I was, man, I must have been 22 or so. Yeah. I had a dream where everything that happened that day was what happened in my dream. Really? To a T. It was one of the weirdest things I've ever been through, where it was just like that movie Groundhog Day with Bill Murray. Like you relived oh, the day in your dream or you relived your
2: dream in the day?
0: I had a dream about the day that was coming up, where everyone I talked to during the day, went during the actual day, said the exact same things, exact same conversations. The day played out the exact same way as the dream that I had the night mm-hmm. prior. It was one of the craziest, weirdest things. Now, you could say that it was two realities intersecting on that time, say, like me and another version of me doing two totally different things. But at some point, the intersection happened, and that's what that was. But again, I don't prescribe to the idea that there is a multiverse or anything like that. It sounds way too far-fetched for me. But who knows? I mean, another thing that could explain that is so
2: when we sleep, our brain is is like it's working on solving problems or it's just it's constantly going right. Like our brain is never completely like not active. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always doing something. And even when we're awake, it's it's constantly doing other things other than, you know, focusing on whatever we're doing in that moment. It's subconsciously working out problems. Or if you're if you were thinking about something earlier, it's thinking about that. And maybe at some point prior to that night, you were thinking about the next day, right? And then you go to sleep and your brain's just like, oh, well, he's probably going to do this and that. He's probably going to end up talking to this person or that. But this is all like subconscious, right? Right. We don't even fully understand why we dream, right? We think it's a way of our brain working out stuff. But uh, maybe that particular night, what your brain was working on subconsciously, happened
0: to line up with what actually happened the next day could also be that I was just having false memories that when I did interact with the same people because it was maybe it was routine to interact with Mm -hmm. them at certain times and when they were saying things I was having a false memory of my dream and it was Mm -hmm. overlaying and it was like oh this is exactly like my dream in reality it was just that I had an interaction with that person it's also a
2: possibility yeah, the dream was maybe just a more general version of what actually happened the next day. And you're just like, your mind is automatically putting the two together. Right. It's strange. The brain is insane. <laughs> yeah, I know. It most definitely is.
1: Was it, do you remember a particular circumstance or a particular event that day
0: that, that usually doesn't happen where your brain couldn't have predicted it? No, it was mostly just who I was interacting with was the people that were in my shop but it was it was the order of it Hmm. it was that this interaction happened with this person and then that person and that person it was the exact same way that the the dream lined out I can't remember if it was circumstances that lined up correctly as well like we're going to work on this aircraft first and then that aircraft or do this job and then that job I don't think it was that specific but it was more so the people and the conversations. So it could have been just a routine of, hey, good morning, you know, talking to this person, talking to Johnson over here, and then Stevens over there and all those different things. And that's just the routine that I have. And that's the way my brain decided to lay everything out because of the routine of it. And then the conversation we had, having that false memory and be like, oh, that's what we talked about in my dream. I don't know for sure. Um, Because I think that even for myself, I have more lucid dreams than I have anything. But even the seconds upon waking up, everything's super clear. Within five minutes, I've forgotten most of it. Mm. If it was the craziest thing ever. And then I want to tell my wife later and then I tell her, I'm just like, uh, I had this dream about cows, I think. Like I just, you know, <laughs> it's just it's not all there anymore, like a yeah. distant memory. So I hate that. I don't that know. Happens. Oh man, yeah. I have some wild dreams sometimes. You mm-hmm. know, I have dreams about this podcast. You know, some ideas about doing an intro or whatever. And then it's like when people make, uh, like back when I used to drink, it's like I have this great crazy idea when I'm drunk, and then the <laughs> next day I'm just reading my notes. I was like, "What? <laughs> this doesn't make <laughs> any sense. This is the dumbest thing I've ever written." You know. <laughs> <laughs> it, I,
2: we've all done that, right? Right. <laughs> that reminds me of a, a Seinfeld episode. I absolutely love that show and I always try to get my wife to watch it, but there's an episode where Jerry Seinfeld, he always leaves a notepad and a pen next to his bed on his nightstand just mm-hmm. in case he wakes up and he has like a great idea for like a joke or whatever, right? Cuz he's a comedian. Right. And uh one night he wakes up and he writes something down, but because he's like, you know, half awake, it's all like gibberish looking or whatever. <laughs> so the next morning he wakes up and he's just like looking at it like the hell is this? Like what <laughs> And he's going around to all, all his friends, like, do you know what this is? Like, he's trying to figure it out because in his mind he's thinking this is this great joke. If He can only decipher what he wrote, you know, while half asleep. And then you know later on he figures it out, and he's like, this isn't funny. What the? That reminds me exactly of that that episode. That's it. What show was that? Seinfeld.
0: How do you spell it? Was it funny? i never
2: watched Seinfeld. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh my gosh! I was <laughs> oh like my saying, <laughs>
0: just kidding. I bet you've never watched Friends or Frasier either. Uh, no,
2: no. No. seinfeld is way better than
0: oh of course and friends are, the,
2: are those on comedy central
0: oh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna
2: smack just, you right in the face <laughs>
0: just for i'm gonna some fight context you, to
2: our listeners <laughs> Jeremy me here has never seen star wars and he likes to ask us oh is that from star trek <laughs> whenever we post something oh, or talk about anything related to star wars and now here he is trying to make fun of us for seinfeld
1: oh man I say that to everybody. Anybody I know that's a Star Wars fan, I'll be like, oh, yeah, is that from Star Trek? I bet <laughs> it makes people insane. Oh, man. make me insane. My buddy Mike, <laughs> the guy we interviewed about the Ruguru. I <laughs> uh, mean, I thought he was going to shoot me one day. <laughs> uh, anyways, man, that's wild. Carlos, I hope that we answered your question there. Again, this is just our opinion. If anybody else that's listening to this wants to comment in on their opinion, there'll be things on the, posted on our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram about this episode. Please feel free to leave your comments. Real quick, before we get going, I contacted a few of my friends and I said, hey, I know you guys have businesses. Is there? Do you guys want us to promote your business on the podcast? We're doing a fan appreciation episode. And one of them came through. Her name's Ashley. She works with me. She's active duty Navy and she makes candles. She does these awesome candles. They're, they're soy wax. I don't know what that is, but I can tell you right now that they smell fantastic. <laughs> A lot of the titles or the the names of these, these candles that she does stems from her service in the Navy. Like we have one here that's called boat boo. Nice. Isn't that awesome? Does it smell like boat boo? It it does not smell like boat boo. I hope not. (laughs) It smells like the trash room. (laughs) So, do either of you guys
2: (laughs) the room where they melt down plastics?
1: Do either of you guys want to explain to
0: anybody that's not in the Navy what a boat boo is? (laughs) That's all yours, man. (laughs) Yeah. There, it's a female companion or a male companion that someone might make while (laughs) deployed. For an extended period of time that is separate from their actual spouse <laughs> that's a very uh pg rated, version. that's right. <laughs> <That's, laughs> Explains <that's it>. that
2: <laughs> hence the name boat boo. Yeah, Yep. I'm going to go ahead and say I never condone that.
1: I also do not condone that. I can't tell you what scent it is. I mean, obviously, it's boat poo, but boat poo? <laughs> boat what's, it, poo, what's it smell like? I don't know, it's fresh though whatever like like a fresh linen
2: kind of smell
1: yeah but it's also that it's not just like it's not like you just open a a a tub of uh, laundry detergent it's i don't know it actually smells really good jake this is the one you're getting by the way oh sweet yeah you're
0: getting boat boo man does it like? Um, does it work itself out of that smell, and it eventually smells like unwashed <laughs> socks? Like, smells like yeah, boo boo. Two, two weeks of could unwashed you, socks. <laughs>
1: could you imagine if if she was able to it do that? like a boat boo at the end of a deployment? Ashley, oh, if man. you're listening to this, there's an idea for you. Have mm. it start off smelling
0: really good and then get really rancid as you get down. Like those candles that that smell like a dirty fart, and it, they start off smelling like really good, <laughs> like pine, and then eventually, <laughs> like twenty minutes in, they start smelling like a nasty wet fart. Oh, oh man, oh, perfect. All right, Ashley, th- <laughs> there's your
1: recommendation. As for the hey, thanks for the candles, by the way, <laughs> yes, thank you, I appreciate it. <laughs>
2: We're talking trash about boat booze, but thank for you. the
1: the Wes, you're gonna get slutty pumpkin spice. <laughs> mm. Um, I'll smell it. It smells like pumpkin spice. Yeah. Yep. That's yep, that's about yeah. right. It smells really good, though. So that's what you're going to get. And the other one is also a Navy-themed scent. It's called Waffle Stomp. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Do we have to explain what a Waffle Stomp is? But
0: every single toilet is backed up all at once, and you got to go, you know, where else Ooh. but the shower. <laughs> <laughs> So, as Jake was saying... I also don't condone (laughs) Absolutely (laughs) not. That's how you break all your showers, too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh. Oh, oh. Oh, God. I've got some stories about that. Wild. (laughs) Nasty.
1: So, as Jake was trying to explain, that on the ship, if all the toilets are clogged up, which happens... It happens. Fairly (laughs) often. (laughs) <laughs> and uh you gotta poop you you could do it in the shower and stomp it down the drain <laughs> which is shaped like a waffle
2: i can't believe we're talking about this oh my god but well, we the,
1: all know what it is so i mean
2: it's, yeah yeah true. yeah it's the joke I,
1: I apologize for anybody that takes offense to that oh, but that man. is uh that's what waffle stomp is. And I can tell you that it doesn't smell like that. It just smells like waffles. All right. All right, move along. Move along. Yeah, we're getting off track here. Real quick, her website is Two People N Wax. The N is in Nancy. So that's com. You can visit her. She is an active duty sailor. She makes a really good product. The stuff smells amazing. The waffle stomp flavor that I have is actually wax melts flavor. Yeah, the, I don't know what else to say. The scent's meant for waffle something. The scent. <laughs> They're wax melts, and I put them right in my scentsy thing. I'm going to be sending you each one of these, too. Cool. All right. So I don't know if you guys have wax melts, but you have wax. All right. I'll, I'll take it. Wax my surfboard with it. It's All right. right. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Cool. And that's that's that for that, because I didn't get anybody else that wanted to advertise. I said free advertisement and nobody uh took it. So all right. Next time if anybody's listening to this episode and they have something that they want to advertise, we're doing our next fan appreciation episode, let me know. We'll be glad to put your stuff out there for free. It's free. It's fan appreciation. We're appreciating you. <laughs> <laughs> that basically gets us through questions and advertising. Awesome. Now we're on to the meat. You ready? Ready. <sighs> All right, so we had, we had three people comments with questions, Carlos, Grayson, and Nick. Nick, unfortunately, we are not going to do any of your questions because we are actually going to make those into full episodes. So we do really appreciate your questions, but we're just not going to touch on them today. You will hear us talk about them in length, just not today. All right, let's start off with Carlos. Carlos was the guy that asked the question about the consciousness slipping into another universe after you pass away. Mm -hmm. Carlos was asking us if we would like to talk about spontaneous human combustion. So
0: it's not as crazy of a story as you would think it was if you didn't do any research on it. So it looks like most of the studies on it happened in the 80s. The stories about it started in the Victorian era. And it was believed that people that spontaneously combusted were alcoholics. And that wasn't too far from the truth, because usually the people that were affected by this, a lot of them were alcoholics. Um, Either they were inebriated to the point of not being able to function and save themselves from burning up, or they were elderly. um, They were people that were obese. somehow you know, or in some way they were close to death anyway. So maybe they died in their sleep or they took sleeping pills and were unconscious or whatever the thing was. So I I did some research into it. And if you don't know, spontaneous human combustion is a concept of the combustion of a living or recently deceased human body without an apparent external source of ignition. Potential causes and mechanisms including victim behavior and habits, alcohol consumption, and proximity to potential sources of ignition, as well as the behavior of fires that consume melted fats. There's a study done in 1984 by science investigator Joe Nickel and forensic analysis John Fisher. And these are the six categories that they came up with of the victims of spontaneous human combustion. They said the victims are chronic alcoholics, They're usually elderly females. The body has not burned spontaneously, but some lighted substance has come into contact with it. The hands and feet usually fall off. The fire has caused very little damage to combustible things in contact with the body. And the combustion of the body has left some residue of greasy, fetid ashes and a very offensive odor. So, what they concluded was that the cases had a source of ignition that wasn't apparent right away but the ignition source was close to the bodies say like a candle a lamp a cigarette a fireplace whatever it was and then the bodies were usually found on things like mattresses chairs and blankets etc and those were burning up but not the area surrounding it due to the wicking effect i pulled a little thing real quick i'm going to read it and this explains the wick effect the wick effect hypothesis suggests that a small external flame source, such as a burning cigarette, chars the clothing of the victim at a location, splitting the skin and releasing fat, which is in turn absorbed into the burned clothing, acting as a wick. The combustion can continue as long as the fuel is available. This hypothesis has been successfully tested in pig tissue and is consistent with evidence recovered from cases of human combustion. The human body typically has enough stored energy and fat and other chemical stores to fully combust the body. Even lean people have several pounds of fat in their tissue. This fat, once heated by burning clothing, wicks into the cloth, such as candle wax, and basically just burns away as long as that fuel source is there. They said it's something to do like a if you have a campfire. You can sit reasonably close to a campfire, but you won't necessarily catch on fire unless there's a fuel source on you. So that's why, say, the mattress was all burned up because it was wicked from the fat of the body, but not the rooms around it. So when people were coming up on these crime scenes or whatever, they were just assuming that this person just burst into flames, where the reality of the situation is, say, This person was obese, or they were an alcoholic, or they were old and they had a heart attack and they died. Maybe they're smoking a cigarette and they dropped it on their clothes, the smoldering lit their clothes on fire, and then it just set their bodies on fire. The fats mixed in with whatever they're sitting on or laying on, and then that burned up as well. But once all that fat source, the ignition fuel source was gone, maybe the fire wasn't as hot or it didn't spread and it just smoldered out, and then that was it. And then the hands and the feet are all that's left. It was it was really interesting to research this, but it was really a letdown because I was really hoping they were going to say, yeah, people just blow up. <laughs> you know, that, that's <laughs> what it is. And that's honestly, I, I saw a quote from a science writer from 1987 that said exactly the opposite of that. His name is Benjamin Radford. He's a science writer and deputy editor of the Science Magazine and in- in Skeptical Inquirer. And this was from 1987. And he's quoted as saying, If spontaneous human combustion is a real phenomenon and not the result of an elderly or infirm person being too close to a flame source, why doesn't it happen more often? There are 5 billion people in the world, and yet we don't see reports of people bursting into flames while walking down the street, attending football games, or sipping a cup of coffee at the local Starbucks. So the reality of the situation is for spontaneous human combustion is that even though it looked at the time more like... The people were just erupting into flames randomly, there is more so a logical and scientific explanation for it. So I was kind of let down by this because I have lived up until this point believing that that's just something that happens. The original thing that I saw was it was methane gas buildup in your guts and then people just bursting into flames and that this was something that could happen to anybody at any time and it's only a matter of time before it might happen to you, that sort of hmm. thing. But it turns out that it's more along the lines of people die, and then if back in the Victorian era their <laughs> their lamp falls on them or whatever, say they fall against it, and then it falls on them, and then sets them on fire, and then it smolders out. And then people rolling up on that, and they're being like, oh my gosh. She's spontaneously
1: they, combusted.
0: Here's this alcohol <laughs> yeah. bottle, and this person blew up. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so <laughs> – it was an interesting research topic. It was interesting to, to get into it. But like I said, kind of a letdown. I remember growing
1: up, my introduction to spontaneous human combustion was in one of those Incubus songs. Can't remember exactly which one it was, but they refer to spontaneous human combustion. I looked it up. You know which one I'm talking about, right?
2: Yeah, I can't think of the name of the song. but I, yeah, sorry. Can, I can hear it in my head.
1: Yeah, it'll, it'll come <laughs> up. So I, I looked it up, and I was kind of young. And I actually kind of the same thing as you, Jake. I just kind of thought that was a thing. Right. That, you know, I was going to be dealing with this more often than I did in my life. Like quicksand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like quicksand. <laughs> Literally was just thinking that. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of weird because I, I went a very long time not thinking of spontaneous human combustion in my life. And the only time I really thought about it, I guess, was when that song would come on. That's that. I mean, it, it makes perfect sense. The the science and behind it, the burning fat in the bodies and the wicking of the sheets and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. I buy it one hundred percent.
0: It makes sure. a lot more sense. <laughs> Definitely. I'm going to go ahead and continue living the rest of my life like I didn't do this research and just believing that people explode <laughs> because it's more fun. It's honestly a lot more fun than reality. So I'm going to do that. You guys can take it or leave it, but. <laughs> <laughs> awesome debug, yeah, something to scare my kids with. You better go to sleep or else you'll basically like combust. <laughs> 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 better eat uh, your greens, <laughs> your greens, <or> you explode. <laughs> I've seen it before.
1: <laughs> you know what stops you from exploding? Broccoli, broccoli, and milk. That's right. I was gonna say, yeah. Beano, yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on. So, the next topic comes from grayson actually the next two topics come from grayson grayson wants us to talk about the mary celeste ghost ship you guys ever heard of that
2: no i have but i may be mistaking it with another ship that i've heard about but was it something or a ship that was found near the bermuda triangle or is that not it i think it it's actually near portugal oh Well, then, okay, I'm completely... Not even close, yeah. 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 (laughs) Disregard. But it's It's on the
0: Earth, right? So... Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I'm close. close.
2: I'm kind of close. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways,
1: the story goes like this. The ship, the Mary Celeste, on December 4th, 1872, was discovered deserted and afloat off the coast of the Azores Islands, off Portugal. The Canadian Brigantine ship DeGradia discovered the ship with absolutely nobody on it and one of the ship's sails half mass. The other one was at full mass. Upon coming up to the ship the captain of the DeGradia ordered his crew to board the Mary Celeste and found that there was not a single person on the ship and everything was exactly how it would be if people were living there, the clothes were all folded up nicely. Everything was tucked away neat. The decks were nice and neat. Nothing was mangled or anything. So there was no evidence of pirates or anybody else coming on to, on board the ship and taking the crew hostage. Uh, there was no signs of distress.
2: Was this the was this the ship where they found the captain's log and it had an entry from that day or from like the previous day? It
1: did. It wasn't from that day. The last log was actually 10 days prior. Oh, uh, okay. And the coordinates were actually about 10 miles away from where it was found. So it wasn't very far.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, 10 so they, miles isn't far at all.
1: Yeah, so the, the crew disappeared somewhere between 10 days to a couple hours before the ship was discovered by the degradius crew. There's a lot of different theories here. You know, theories... Mm-hmm. Extend anywhere from foul play, mutiny of the crew, piracy, attempt at insurance fraud, alcohol fumes from the cargo because they were shipping alcohol, inebriation from the crew, natural disasters such as earthquakes or waterspouts, even the the woo woo of attack from a giant squid and even paranormal activities. So it's off the coast of Portugal.
0: Yes, the Azores Island. So I'm going to go ahead and say that they pulled into port. They. Found out that the Portuguese people have a pretty sweet deal, and they just said, "Yeah, leave the (laughs) ship," and it just floated off.
2: (laughs) Well, how how far off coast was it found, though?
1: I'm not sure. Actually, I didn't see anything about that. Just says off the coast of the Azores Island. It doesn't. I I wasn't able to come up with an exact distance,
0: but I gotta tell you, you, when you guys said captain's log, the first thing I thought of was that the Borg attacked. (laughs) i don't know what that is (laughs) oh my Um, gosh i (laughs) i'm not even like a big
2: star trek fan but i know what that is yeah the borg that's right oh my gosh jeremy's got some homework ahead of him
1: (laughs) yeah uh, i mean it it is a strange thing you would think that if this was done by pirates or people that were taking the crew hostage that at least the alcohol would be gone yeah but every piece of cargo was accounted for. There was a log in the ship that stated what was actually in the cargo. Everything was there. Uh, Beds were made. Clothes were folded. I want to say that I even read something about where a card game was left on a table. The crew consisted of the captain, his wife, his daughter, and seven crew members. So there was a, there was a crew of 10 total and they all just disappeared. Now, one little piece of evidence that could tell you maybe what have happened was that the lifeboat was no longer there. So you know, the lifeboat was either taken or used to get off to the ship. But the question is why did they leave the ship? That's more my question
2: that okay, so now this is jogging my memory. I remember reading about this when I was in like middle school because I was all into all this weird stuff. I think one of the theories was possibly the crew thought that the cargo they were carrying. Presented a hazard of some sort, so they all got onto the lifeboat and moved away from the ship just in case they possibly thought it could explode or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then they wasn't able to get back to the ship, and that's why it was found with basically everything as if they had just disappeared when possibly it was just as simple as that. Yeah. Something like that
1: makes a lot of sense. You know, they they got off the ship because they Mm smelled fumes or something coming off from the alcohol and, I don't know, some... Mm -hmm something they had combust with the alcohol fumes they got off maybe in some bad weather and the, and the lifeboat ended up going astray and they never found their way back to the ship. That's what it sounds like. Uh, The crew was never heard from again. And the, the Marie Celeste ended up getting sold at a port in Gibraltar Mm. and ended up living, uh, I think another eight to 10 years until the new captain ended up crashing it into an Island for insurance fraud. Oh gosh. Uh-huh. yeah dead serious mm. so the, that's funny nobody wanted that shit but that's it now that story i mean it was kind of interesting i enjoyed reading about it uh, i found many many sources on the topic so it wasn't very hard to to research but mm-hmm. while i was doing some research on there i found some extremely interesting ghost ship stories Mm -hmm. maybe we'll have to do a full story on ghost ships one time because that that'd be fun that Mm -hmm. there is some really good stuff out there some really head-scratching stuff
0: absolutely yeah i went ghost ship hunting one time i was living in the barracks and i had uh some friends from work show up at literally like midnight and they said hey we're gonna go drive three hours and try to find ghost ship you want to come i was like okay and we (laughs) drove three hours to like northern virginia somewhere to find a ghost ship. Did you find it? We did not. Maybe it really is a ghost ship. <laughs> yeah, it's invisible. It's there. You see, you see all that water moving? It's displaced. That's why it's, it's a ghost ship. That's right. You can't see, see it. it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, maybe we did see the ghost ship. I don't know. But we're, I I see we're it. like, we could
2: have we could have walked right out the barracks for a ghost ship. This is what <laughs> this that's what right for. <laughs>
0: No, it was supposed to be some, some super cool, like, green-looking thing. It was a full moon. It was supposed to be the date was all right and everything. And the I don't know. But, yeah, didn't see anything, so I guess we could say we did see something. Thank you, Wes. I was thinking this whole time it was a waste of time, but nope. <laughs> <laughs> I saw myself a ghost ship one time.
2: Hey, I tell the story. <laughs> That's
0: right.
1: <laughs> all right. All right. Moving on to our last subject of the night. Uh, This one comes from Grayson as well, and Wes is going to lead us in this. And the topic is Kroatoa.
2: Good topic. Yes. So Kroatoa is something that is attached to the Roanoke colony, which was supposed to be England's first colony in North America and then the New World well before Jamestown in Virginia was founded. So England tried to found this colony on three separate expeditions. So there was an initial one where they came over, just like checked it out and were like, oh, this seems like a great place. There's lots of wildlife. It's right on the shore so they can fish or whatever. There's sources of fresh water nearby. So then they went back to England and told the queen or whatever about it and then decided, okay, we're going to attempt to settle a colony here. So the first attempt, they came over and there was roughly 108 of them. This was in 1585. They landed, set up their initial settlement and whatnot, and not too long after that, they had contact from the local Native Americans. The local tribe was the Sekotan. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Forgive me if I am. And they had a good relationship at first, but then ended up becoming strained due to the colonies over reliance on the local tribes food. The tribal leader at the time, I'm not even going to try to attempt to say his name. uh, (laughs) He was a fan of the settlers. He saw no issue, like no problem with having a relationship with them where they could, you know, help each other out. That relationship soon began to sour after the colonies over reliance on them and Then things got hostile, and that initial settlement had to go back to England because it was about to be a war – or not really a war, but there was going to be conflict between the two. So then they came back in, I think it was 1587, and they kind of – it seemed like they came over not quite as prepared as they was the first time. So they still had mixed relations with the local Native American tribe. But they were each kind of like sticking to themselves, not bothering the other. So this second colony was led by a man named John White. This is the colony that became known as the Lost Colony because John White, he ended up having to go back to England at some point because the second colony, they wasn't able to get up on their feet. They were running low on supplies. So he's like, all right, I'm going to go back to England to get more supplies. And so he left Well, by the time he got back to England, the Anglo-Spanish War had started, and this delayed his return back to this colony. It delayed him by two years until 1590. Upon his arrival coming back, he found that the settlement had been fortified but also abandoned, and then the word Croatoan was found carved into a post for one of the walls of the settlement, which this man, John White, Interpreted it to mean the colonists had relocated to Croton Island, which is a barrier island kind of off the coast of where they had set up this colony. But before he could follow this lead, rough season and lost anchor forced the rescue mission to return to England. So, from other sources that I read, he, on two separate attempts, attempted to go out to this island to see if this is where they moved to for whatever reason. But on those two attempts, he encountered bad weather, storms, and because this wasn't his boat, he basically chartered this from someone else. They had to turn back. And then he wasn't able to try a third time because that boat had to go do its own thing. All the information I was able to gather, it's almost like he had no choice but to give up. It wasn't necessarily his choice, but that's all he could do at that point. So later on, you know, there's still people that are actively preserving and searching the site of the initial colony. They found some interesting things that shines a light on where what happened to the colonists, possibly. So when John White left the colony initially to get supplies, relations with the local indigenous population was strained. But that's not to say that it continued. So there was a lot of people that believed that the local Native American tribe ended up attacking the settlement and killing all the colonists. But there has been no evidence to show that there's like a mass grave or anything like that. They haven't found like any remains whatsoever of the colonists. So that's pretty much been proven to not have happened, mostly. But there's, there's a lot of speculation about it still. There's so many different wild theories about it. Another theory is that the colonists were unable to survive without all the supplies that they needed. And because of John White's delay in coming back because of the Anglo-Spanish War, they end up just dying either of starvation or from diseases that their bodies wasn't ready for because you know they came from england and here in north america maybe there's different forms of bacteria and viruses and stuff that they've never encountered so their immune system wasn't able to handle it and they ended up dying but i think the most popular theory that i found was that what remained of the colonists the ones that survived ended up uh, separating into small groups and moving inland because they found a map that had like a star symbol on it and a lot of people think that this was like a fort or something like they knew they wouldn't be able to survive right on the coast so they moved further inland hoping that their luck would be better maybe set up a smaller colony or settlement further inland because according to this map where the star symbol was at it's roughly 50 miles inland from the coast so most people believe that they end up splitting up in smaller groups moving inland maybe to this location where you know the symbol was on this map that they found but they also believe that it's possible that what remained the colonists ended up integrating with the local tribes and living out the rest of their time there because they found some pottery that matches the style of pottery I guess that England produced at the time but they're not able to carbon date it or carbon dating isn't accurate enough to determine the actual date so they can't say oh this is something they brought with them from england or is something they made there while they're in north america
0: i got a couple wild theories
2: yeah i mean there's tons of them and it is strange because i mean in the first place why would they carve croatoan on a post i don't know maybe they thought that was the only thing that would survive the length of time it would take for john white to come back i don't know what do you got?
0: So here's what I'm thinking, all right? I get it. I get the whole neighborly relationship falling apart. So these guys move in next to you, right? First, very simply, they want to borrow sugar all the time. Then it's an extension cord that they won't return, and then they break your miter saw, right? So then there's all-out war. Because they're unprepared, they don't have enough supplies, you and your family just surround their house And then just start starving them out. Mm -hmm. Once they finally give up, you take them as slaves and you take them to a different location. Maybe the Native Americans had the name Croatoan was a location that they had already named. You know, we have our cities and our towns that we name, whatever. That doesn't necessarily mean that the people that already live here know these locations by what we call them. Mm. They might know the locations based off what they call them. So Mm -hmm. if they're being taken to an area that these Native Americans are saying is Croatoan, they scribe that on there. Who knows where that is because as far as I'm aware, Native Americans, yes, they had their whole area that they lived in, but they would move with the food sources. So they would Mm – travel with the deer migrating, the the elk, the whatever migrating. So they're traveling with the food sources. Mm-hmm. Going to England and back is not what we think, where we get on a ship and we go, we hit up England in a week. They're mm-hmm. taking months without a war involved. Months and months and months. Yeah. So yeah, he's going back for supplies because, oh no, we're not going to last the winter. Mm-hmm. He might be gone the entire winter just trying to get back. <laughs> yeah. So them surrounding their heavily fortified fort. Well, that's great. You got big old fat, gnarly walls. What are you gonna do about food? You spend all this time mm-hmm. working on on that. So we just surround you. We wait till you're hungry enough that you just give up. This is where the Native Americans are taking us. Scribe this on the thing and then they ransack the place and take them all as prisoners or slaves yep. or whatever if the relationship is is tensioned and then take them away. Or aliens. One of the two it's <laughs> <laughs> something like that.
2: Yeah. That was one of the theories that they thought that maybe the Native American tribe took them as as slaves, but um, most people believe that that's probably not what happened, at least the people that are actually attached to the group that's studying the remains of the settlement and nothing showing that that's what they did. Because they also apparently, I guess, interviewed relatives of the tribe that are alive today.
0: Oh, okay, cool.
2: So – um, there's a lot of sources that won't take spoken word as like fact, but there's a lot of also a lot of people that think that's just as good as finding like actual physical written things describing what happened at that time, you know, and the people who are still alive that were relatives of these tribe members and whatnot, never spoke of anything like that happening. So most of the people that are studying this believe that the tribe ended up taking them in in a good way, not necessarily as slaves.
0: Okay. So maybe that they were in fact starving and then Mm -hmm. but the relationship was strengthened over time and then they ended Mm -hmm. up with them. It still could have been like, Hey, we're going this place now. Yeah. Where we were calling that Croatoan Island. Maybe that's not what the Native Americans meant when they said Croatoan. So they were like, Yeah, we're going over here and it's Yeah. Ends up being states away.
2: (laughs) Where Croatoan came from, like no one's really sure. I mean, it's very strange. Because Croatoan, the only thing that the English knew about that was that it's an island off the coast there, but there was nothing that would make sense for them to go out there.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: Croatoan could have been a word that the Native Americans used Mm -hmm. while they were conducting trades and they adopted that word and named a place, you know, Croatoan, like Jake was saying that the, the Native Americans could have had a place already named Croatoan and in order to create an outpost for trading maybe they planned on creating you know like a pier system out on the island something easier to get to mm-hmm. and where it's just a quick boat ride to the island and back for us you know maybe there's shallow waters around there and ships can't easily get in um mm-hmm. so creating a trade platform out on the island is the best thing to do and they named it Croatolon so that, that there's one option but to kind of comment on what Jake was saying could you imagine like relaxing in in your nicely wood cabin shed that you just built on this brand new land and your wife comes in and she's like we need milk and you're like okay she's like go to the store (laughs) well the store is in england (laughs) she's like i don't care get some eggs while you're there too you're like damn it you know get me the keys and 12 people to to man the ship and whatever see in six months (laughs) yeah and then you get there and they're out of milk and you're like damn it she's going to be pissed, right? So you Mm -hmm. get the bread or you get the eggs and you're like, well, you start coming up with these excuses as to why you didn't get milk. When you could easily just tell her they were out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you Mm -hmm. get there and she's like, Hey, did you get the milk? And you're like, Oh man, I forgot. And she's Mm -hmm. like, well, go back and get it. And you're just like, yeah, you know what? Maybe this whole place just needs to disappear.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I can strain yeah. the relationship with these Native American people living next to me, and <laughs> milk off them constantly. Yeah, to you know, get on a serious note. There, there's a lot of theories out there,
1: and uh, one of them is that they just moved simply inland. I've heard that theory about the natives having a place that they call Croatoa, um, and they simply just moved to you know with them, and, or they integrated their populations together and actually became a tribe themselves there is some paranormal things where they say that they were abducted by ghosts and taken and went, (laughs) went crazy and they all just went out into the woods or that a disease (laughs) affected their brains or something and their minds and bodies. And they, they just, they just all went crazy. You know, they they left and wandered the woods and eventually died from starvation or, or being frozen to death. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I do remember about Roanoke that the original Roanoke colony was built on barren lands, and the lands were not good for crops. So it was initially, it, it was supposed to just be a base at first to, to establish some sort of civilization, mm-hmm. but that they would have to eventually move inland. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if you know how waterfalls are made. It's kind of going a little left field here, just kind of explain their situation. The land that's closer to water, it goes for anywhere in the world. But it's mostly loose soil and earth, right? so you have a mm-hmm. lot of sand and a lot of gravel, and it doesn't make good for crops. but inland, you know once you go past what's called a fall line, do you know what a fall line is no well it's a it's a natural point where the land becomes goes from sand and gravel to dirt and bedrock mm-hmm. and sand and gravel is constantly moving it vibrates you know with every shift in the tectonic plates or whatnot you the the land that is on the the seaside of the fall line eventually gets lower and lower and lower and any stream or river that's flowing across the fall line eventually creates a waterfall Hmm. so waterfalls actually in virginia you can make a nice squiggly line through all the waterfalls that go across the fall line and they they line up perfectly with the fall line Nice. So the colony of, Ro- of Roanoke simply just picked a bad place to be. You know, They were too close to the ocean, and they did not have any good soil to, to grow their crops in, mm-hmm. and they simply needed to get past the fall line. I don't know if they knew that they actually needed to get past the fall line, but I'm, I'm assuming that they at least knew from where they came from overseas that they at least had to go inland a little bit more to get to more fertile lands.
2: I, th- I think they would know about that because, I mean, that's that's probably something you have to deal with almost anywhere on any coast, you know, mm-hmm. or the equivalent of it.
0: I don't know because the coastlines over there are more cliffy. Not all of them.
2: I mean, they're famous for, like, their cliffs of Dover and whatnot. They're really rocky, though. If literally all their shores were cliffs, then where are the ports and whatnot at? <laughs>
0: well, I mean, that's fair.
2: Either way. If I had to put a
1: guess onto it, they tried to move inland, yeah, or or they integrated with the the local natives. I think that's what most people agree on is that they they ended up moving inland. It it is a a nice spooky story to read about and to ponder every
0: once in a while, but I think it's easily explained. Yeah, maybe they intersected with their own selves in the multiverse, <laughs> and maybe. they were like this this way is much better. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well,
1: that pretty much wraps up that segment. I have one other segment very quickly. I've been getting a pretty big rise in recommendations for second parts of some of our previous episodes.
2: Hmm. So people asking for a second part. Yep. Hmm.
1: Uh, Two episodes actually that people want to hear more about. Which episodes? One of them is sleep paralysis. Oh, no <laughs> <laughs> uh. they want to know more about it, so they want us to take a a deep dive into sleep paralysis and do a black hole episode where mm-hmm. we go into more of the science and the lore behind it and more about the black figure. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of people come forward to me and say that they've had experiences with sleep paralysis, and that episode creeps them out. And uh, there's a lot of people that have came up to me that said that they no longer sleep on the back, on their back because they don't want to have an episode of sleep paralysis. Uh, and then there's this one crazy guy
2: at work that says, I sleep on my back every night now. <laughs> I sleep on my back a lot. I mean, I'm kind of interested to know what that would feel like. I don't do it on purpose for the press purpose of hoping that I get sleep paralysis, but it is a thought in my mind whenever I do lay down on my back. It is strange. <laughs> That's the most comfortable position for me since my body's old and gritty, filling in the joints and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> Snap, crackle, pop.
0: <laughs> I am not a back sleeper. I I can't do it. I sleep face down on the pillow, suffocating I, myself every I, night. I do, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Get dumber and dumber as the days go by. <laughs> the other episode
1: that I think you guys would be excited to hear about. And I didn't think this was the case, but apparently it is, because I've had three people come up to me in last week alone and then uh, a person a couple weeks prior to that mm-hmm. say they want us to do more missing four one one. Oh
2: nice. That'd
1: be fun. Yeah, I've actually I've been approached by three people this week. One of them said to me that they they're like, I'm listening to both of them for the second time. Like I'm half halfway through the first one and he's like it's just mind blowing that that some mm-hmm. of this stuff is like that. He goes I had to do my own research and come to find out that a lot of the stuff you guys are saying is very true so he's like I I, I want to know more. I had to show him where the, he can buy the books uh, where he can watch it on YouTube. Uh, he's like you guys have to do more. Mm-hmm. Another guy was, uh, told me those are his favorite episodes. Awesome. Another girl said that she couldn't she couldn't listen to any more of it, so she actually she ended up watch, uh, listening to the rest of it. But she said that she had to listen to it in bits because she has a son herself, and you know she has a connection to a lot of those. Mm-hmm. But you know it it is something that people are are wanting to hear more of. So maybe we'll touch on more missing four one episodes in season two.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Just put that in your in your pocket, and we'll we'll pull it out later. Awesome. So basically what I'm getting from this is that our audience is mostly into dark, disturbing stuff. So if we keep it on the topic of like demons, dead people we will just shoot through all the levels of listenership that we want.
1: (laughs) I've got a, I've got a topic (laughs) that I've been really wanting to get an episode in on, but I think I'm going to have to wait till season two, because it's going to require us to do a little bit of deep diving into some, some studying and stuff. So I'm not going to put it out there right now. I'll, t- I'll I'll talk to both of you guys on the outside. We've talked about it slightly before, but I think mm-hmm. that's that's an episode that we really need to maybe bring to the front of the pile uh because I I think Jake's right. I think people want this dark
0: <laughs> stuff. They want to be scared. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, this is this has been good. Thank you to everybody that have hit us up on person and our Facebook as far as episodes go. Thank you to Carlos and and Grayson and Nick for your suggestions. Nick, we will certainly be getting to those in our future episodes coming up. We definitely have some really good stuff planned. I'm very excited to be back here with these guys. The move process was crazy. One thing that I wanted to throw out was that while I was driving cross-country, I was filming little 20-minute videos talking about the cryptids and the strange things in those states, and kind of just having my own little moments of dialogue with jake i will be putting those up on youtube i just have to edit them some misinformation i threw in there that i was gonna just leave them raw but i figure i'll just leave them mostly raw but correct the mistakes so i don't sound like too much of an idiot <laughs> i'm excited to put those out uh hopefully i'll be dropping those here in this coming week probably on a week by week basis but yeah good stuff glad to be back glad to have this episode with wes it was pretty sweet
2: absolutely it's a lot of fun
0: yep so we're recording this on the on
1: the day that we just dropped our first uh infinite rabbit hole in space episode and currently we're at 783 listens total on our podcast so we're gonna break 800 here before this episode comes out and i'm i'm excited we're getting to that 1000 mark guys that's very cool that's a lot of yes i mean very can exciting. we can we do it before our three-month birthday Dude, we were so stoked for 100 listens. I know. We were stoked for 10.
0: Oh, yeah. I didn't, I mean, I'm not going to say that I didn't think that we would get here, but I didn't think we'd get here this fast. Like, that's pretty wild. Mm-hmm. So more dark and disturbing stuff for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get 10,000 by next week. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
1: we, the podcast is blown up, and we wanted to do this episode as a thank you to the people who have helped this, this podcast grow. Um, this is going to be something that we do regularly. We're going to try to get it in once a, a season. We do want to interact with everybody that supports this podcast. So please, if you have a topic or if you have comments or you have questions, don't hesitate. Let us know. Type them down. You can email us at infiniterabbithole at com. We're up on all social platforms. Well, most social platforms now. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Find us. Let us know. Send us this stuff. We want to talk about it. We want to make it so that these fan appreciation episodes are three hours long. It doesn't matter. Let's talk. If uh, one of you guys want to come on and actually talk to us during a fan appreciation episode, let me know. I would love to have anybody on that wants to come on and talk about a strange subject with us. We do this podcast because we like talking about strange stuff, but we really want to interact with you guys and we want you to get everybody involved. Absolutely. Other than that, That's it. That's all I have. Guys, you guys
0: got anything? No. No. I think it's all been said. Except (laughs) for, welcome back, Jake. Thank you much. It's good to be back. It's good to be all set up. Yeah.
1: And Wes, it's really good to have you on board too, man. I feel like we've got this podcast complete. And we're ready to go full steam ahead and some really awesome stuff. Absolutely. I can't wait. All right.
0: That's it. (laughs) Until next time. Thank you for joining us on this episode. If you'd like to comment on this episode, you can do so on facebook.com forward slash infinite rabbit hole. If you have a story to share with us or would like to be interviewed, you can contact us at infinite rabbit hole at gmail.com. Thank you again and have a great day.